0: Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. This week on the Southcrest Live featuring Dr. David Wilson, we're in Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. An aging Solomon looking back on life gives wise counsel on friendship. We encounter all sorts in this life. Acquaintances, casual friends, close friends, intimate friends. But as we delve into our text, we find the characteristics of real friends. Let's take a closer look. Open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 4 and listen to this week's message, That's What Real Friends Are For, from Pastor David Wilson.
1: Ecclesiastes right in the middle
0: of your Bible, Psalm,
1: Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, go to Psalms and turn right, you'll find it, chapter four, Ecclesiastes chapter four, we're going to talk about something that we need to be reminded of from time to time, and I think will be very appropriate and applicable to us, let's talk about friends, how many friends do you have? Well, let's look what the scripture says about friends. Would you stand while I read beginning in verse nine? Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another Two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our friend, but would you help us to be a friend to other people? And Lord, help us to choose our friends wisely, those who would bring us closer to you and not further away from you. So I pray that you'd speak to our hearts today and give us something to take home, to live out, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Many years ago, there were not any African-American baseball players in the major leagues. Jackie Robinson was the first African-American to play in major league baseball. Well, as you know, or if you've read or possibly can imagine, while he was breaking the color barrier, he faced jeering crowds in the stadium. People booed him and ridiculed him. And while playing one day in his own hometown, his own home stadium of Brooklyn, he committed an error. If you play baseball, you've committed an error. You've messed up. You've you've missed something. Well, people began to humiliate him, began to jeer him and boo him. And he stood at second base, humiliated. Then all of a sudden, the shortstop, Pee Wee Reese, walked over to Jackie Robinson, put his arm around him, and turned and faced the crowd. Didn't say a word. The crowd realized what was happening, got quiet. Later, Robinson said, that arm around his shoulder saved his career. There are different kinds of friends. All of us have acquaintances. They are people that we don't know their names, yet we say hi to them whenever we see them in the store, or we recognize them, or we see them in church, or whatever. We just say hi to them. They're more acquaintances. And then we all have casual friends. You see them more often. Perhaps you're in a civic club with them, or you go to the same church, or you're on the same committee, or your children are friends with their children or something. They're, They're a little more than just acquaintances. They're casual friends. Then you have some close friends probably don't have very many of those you visit them at their house or you invite them over to your house or maybe you fish or hunt or do something with them or you sit and talk with them for hours you enjoy their company you look forward to seeing them and then there are intimate friends these are the friends that you share your soul with they are the ones that know more about you than anyone else the first part of this chapter from the wisest man in the world, Solomon. Now Solomon asked God for wisdom, and God gave it to him. And, God, and Solomon was wise until he turned his back on God, and then he got on his own power, and things didn't go well. Well, when he comes to Ecclesiastes, he's an older man now, and he's writing some things down, some of the mistakes he made. He's realizing all the things that he chased weren't worth chasing and in this chapter, you find him talking about the oppressed and then the, the hard workers and the worker, hot work,aholic, but then he mentions the advantage of having friends. So let's talk about that for a moment. What are real friends? Real friends. First of all, in verse nine, we see that a real friend is a contributing associate. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Someone said, friends are relatives you make for yourself. You don't get to choose your relatives, you know that. But you can make some relatives out of friends. But friends do something for each other. A friend, a real friend, contributes, doesn't just take all the time. I have some pastor. Friends around the country. Some of them are close friends. And when I see their name on my phone, when they call me, I look forward to talking to them. But I will tell you, there are a few names that crop up and I'm going, great. I wonder what he wants. <laughs> because I never hear from them unless they want something. And I already know that. Well, that's not a real friend. A real friend doesn't just take A real friend wants to know, uh, an associate was asked about a competitor up the street, a a businessman was asked about his competitor whose name was Bill Johnson. He said, well, what do you think about Bill? And he said, oh, there's nothing in the world I wouldn't do for Bill Johnson. And there's nothing in the world that Bill Johnson wouldn't do for me. And that's the way we are. We go through life doing nothing for each other. (laughs) Those aren't real friends. They they contribute. Friendship doubles our joy. It divides our grief. So how does a real friend contribute to your life? They stand behind you for one thing. They stand behind you. I read of a woman and her husband walking down the streets of a large city. He happened to be the mayor And as they were walking along the street, they passed the construction zone. And one of the construction workers on a nearby scaffold leaned over and said, Hey, Peggy. She turned and looked and and recognized him as being an old boyfriend from high school. And so they conversed for a moment. And then she and her husband, who was the mayor, began walking on down the street again. And the mayor chuckled and said to his wife, See there, Peggy, if you'd married that fellow, you'd be the wife of a construction worker. She looked at him and said, "No, dear. If I'd married him, he'd be the mayor of this city." <laughs> behind every successful man is his wife. I can assure you. But, but more than that, behind anybody who's successful, there are some friends that have been standing behind them. You may have heard or read books by Larry Crab. Larry. Writes in a book entitled Encouragement, The Key to Caring. He recalls an incident when he was a young man and in church, and it was a customary in that church that the young men were encouraged to participate in the communion services by praying out loud. Well, feeling the pressure of expectation, Larry Crabb, when he was young, who also had a problem of stuttering, stood to pray. And when he got to praying, he was so nervous that he got things a little messed up. In fact, it was a confusing prayer because he recalls and he said, I thank the Father for hanging on the cross. And I praised Christ for triumphantly bringing the Spirit from the grave. He said, I got it all wrong. And when he finished praying, he vowed he would never again speak or pray out loud in front of a group. At the end of the service, not wanting any of the church elders who might feel constrained to correct his theology, he headed for the door. He just wanted to get out of there. But before he could get out, an older man named Jim Dunbar caught him. So Larry braced himself for the anticipated correction. But Larry, excuse me, Jim Dunbar said these words. Larry, there's one thing I want you to know. Whatever you do for the Lord, I'm behind you a thousand percent. Crabb reflects in his book, he said, even as I write these words, my eyes fill with tears. I have yet to tell that story to an audience without at least mildly choking. These words were life words. They had power. They reached deep into my being. Real friends are that way. Not only do they stand behind you, they stand beside you. A true friend will strengthen you. They're like parsley. Okay, now what does that mean? Do you ever eat? Do you know what parsley is? They put it on your plate in a in a they don't do it at McDonald's. <laughs> but if you're someplace and they're serving you, many times they put. A garnish it looks parsley it's that little green weed that's there on your plate and now they've gotten away from parsley and they put this other green weed there that I promise you grows in the alleys here in Lubbock it looks just like I've sprayed roundup on that stuff I know I have (laughs) why do they put that on the plate to make the rest of it look good Friends are that way. Real friends. They're committed to standing beside you. They're committed to your success. A fair weather friend is a friend who's always around when they need you, not when you need them. You may have seen the cartoon, The Born Loser, the boss is hollering at Thornapple, who's the supposedly the loser. He said, Thornapple, I can see you've been in the dumps. Let me share something with you. Remember, when the chips are down and your back's against the wall, you need a friend to see you through. When things get better, call me. (laughs) Well, there are a lot of people like that. They don't stand beside you, but a real friend is going to stand beside you, and they want you to do well. They want you to look good. They want the best for you. Not only do they stand behind you and beside you, but they stand in front of you and before you sometimes a friend gets in the way and says wait what are you about to do you're about to mess it up you're headed down the wrong path man I love you enough to say at least think about this think about what you're about to do they sometimes get in the way a true friend will motivate and inspire you to go down the right path Sitting in the clubhouse at the golf course, an old friend asked Bill why he no longer played golf with George. Bill, why do you not play with George? And Bill said, would you play golf with a guy who's always improving his ball position and occasionally slips a tee under his ball in the fairway and regularly lies about his score? And the other guy said, well, Bill, I can understand that. And Bill said, well, neither neither will George play with somebody like that. You see, real friends, the kind of friends that lift you up instead of dragging you down, they're people who ought to say that they're, you ought to be able to say, I'm a better person because of this friend. In fact, Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Real friends contribute. It doesn't matter how many friends you say you have on Facebook or, or how many followers you've got on Twitter or Instagram or whatever it might be. Those aren't real friends. Real friends stand behind you, stand beside you, they stand before you. They are there with you, they know about you, they contribute to you, they give something. And my friends, if you want to have a friend, you've got to be a friend. You've got to be able to do the same thing. You wonder, well, I don't have any friends. Well, have you tried being a friend? A real friend. Well, a real friend also is a caring attendant. Look at verse 10. For if one, if they fall, one will lift up his companion and woe to him who's alone when he falls. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. I hate to tell you this. You're eventually gonna fall. How long have you been walking? I've been walking over 60 years. You impressed? (laughs) Yeah. Occasionally, occasionally, I fall down, and it hurts. It shows up on the seismographs all around the country. (laughs) They think a minor earthquake has happened in Lubbock. I'm telling you, I think... And now I'm to this age where it does help if somebody can help you up. (laughs) But here's the deal. You're going to fall. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to mess up. You need somebody there who loves you enough to help pick you up. Many years ago in the Seattle Special Olympics, the Special Olympics, had nine contestants that were about to run the 100-meter Dash. All the contestants either had physical or mental disabilities. At the gun, they all started out not exactly in a dash, but with the idea to run the race to finish and win. And all of them except one little boy who stumbled on the asphalt. He tumbled over a couple of times and began to cry. The other eight heard him crying and stopped and turned around. They went back to help him. One little girl with Down syndrome bent down and kissed him and said, this will make it better. Then all nine of them linked arms and walked across the finish line together. The, child, the crowd was cheering in the stadium and they talked about it for months after that. Why? Because deep down inside, we all know what matters in this life is more than winning for ourselves. What matters is helping others win, even if it means changing our course and slowing down a little bit. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Isn't that interesting? It, We think a friend is for the good times, somebody we can laugh and have fun with. But the Bible tells us that a real friend helps us get over the tough times. Real friends are those who, when you make a fool of yourself, they don't think you've done a permanent job. Everyone hears what you say. Friends, listen to what you say. Best friends, listen to what you don't say. They care about you. You may have a lot of people that know you, but how many of them really care about you? Now, I will say, if they know the need, many times people cannot care because they don't know all the things. But you've got some people in your life that, that care about you. So, contributing. Contributing. They give, they, 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 they stand with you, they care. But a real friend is also a compassionate anchor. Look at verse 11. Again, if two lie down, they will keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? People need each other. Did you know you need somebody? When God created the world, the one thing he noticed that was not good, man was alone. So he created woman but that tells us that we are relational people. Ben Patterson, Leadership Magazine, said people in church are like porcupines in a snowstorm. We need each other to keep warm, but we prick each other if we get too close. (laughs) But listen, folks, people when they're having relationship problems, they're having health problems, they're having financial problems, whatever they might be, they need somebody to show them compassion. You know who Chuck Swindoll is, a famous pastor for many years and written so many wonderful books. He writes these words. He says, as an old Marine Corps buddy of mine, to my pleasant surprise, came to know Christ after he was discharged. And I say surprised because he cursed loudly, he fought hard, he chased women, he drank heavily, loved war and weapons, and hated chapel services. A number of months ago, I ran into this fellow, and after we talked a while, he put his hand on my shoulder and said, Do you know, Chuck, the only thing I still miss is that old fellowship we used to have down at the tavern. I remember how we used to sit around and let our hair down. I can't find anything like that for Christians. I I no longer have a place to admit my faults and talk about my battles where somebody won't preach at me and frown and quote me a verse. Swindoll said, it wasn't one month later that in my reading I came across this profound paragraph. The neighborhood bar is possibly the best counterfeit that there is to the fellowship Christ wants to give his church. It's an imitation, dispensing liquor instead of grace, escaping rather than reality, but it is a permissive, accepting, and inclusive fellowship. It is unshockable. It's democratic. You can tell people secrets they usually don't tell others and won't tell. The bar flourishes not because most people are alcoholics, but because God has put into the human heart the desire to know and be known, to love and be loved, and so many seek a counterfeit at the price of a few beers. With all my heart, I believe that Christ wants his church to be unshockable, a fellowship where people can come in and say, I'm sunk. I'm beat. I've had it. Alcoholics Anonymous has this quality. Our churches too often miss it. And then he says, now before you take up arms to shoot some wag that would compare your church to the corner bar, Stop and ask yourself some tough questions like I had to do. Make a list of some possible embarrassing situations people may not know how to handle. A woman discovers her husband is a practicing homosexual. Where in the church can she find help where she's secure with her secret? Your mate talks about separation or divorce. To whom do you tell it? Your daughter is pregnant. She's run away for the third time. She's no longer listening to you. Who do you tell that to? You lost your job, and it was your fault. You blew it, so there's shame mixed with unemployment. Who do you tell that to? Financially, you were unwise, and you're in deep trouble. Or a man's wife is an alcoholic, or something as horrible as getting back the biopsy from the surgeon, and it reveals cancer, and the prognosis isn't good. Or you had an emotional breakdown. To whom do you tell it? We're the only outfit I know that shoots its wounded. We can become the most severe, condemning, judgmental, guilt-giving people on the face of the planet Earth, and we claim it's in the name of Jesus Christ. All the while, we don't even know we're doing it. That's the pathetic part of it all. No one in here, no one in here has it all together. No one in here is without sin. No one in here has not messed up. Now, if you come here very long, you know I've probably never quoted Oprah. (laughs) And this isn't much of one, but it's worth saying, and I'm going to give her credit for it. Lots of people want to ride with you in the limo. But what you want is someone who will take the bus with you when the limo breaks down. When everything's great, you have lots of friends. But you want friends who are going to be there when everything's not so great anymore. So, folks, a real friend is a contributing associate. A real friend is a caring attendant. They have compassion. their anchor. But they also, a real friend, is a consistent ally. Look at verse 12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Everyone you meet, everywhere, everyone you meet is afraid of something. They love something and they've lost something. Every person you've ever met is afraid of something. They love something, they've lost something. And so they need an ally. I conducted the service for Dub Hayes yesterday, so I drove to Clovis. And then we drove to Dora, New Mexico. And then we went out to the Mount Zion Cemetery. I saw land that's never been seen before. The reason I say that is even though I saw it, I didn't see it. It's nothing out there. And I thought, when people went west, why did they stop here? <laughs> if you're from that part of the world, I don't mean to sound critical, but you think about all the Easterners when it was go west, young man. And the reason why they were doing this is because people come out here and they could um, homestead, stake their claims, Um, They had squatters rights, I guess you would say, and people came, and they staked huge amounts of land, and then they would build in the middle of that land. Photographers came later, and they had pictures of people who looked like they had prematurely aged and children who looked haunted and wild-eyed women was the words. And, they were, and the reason why is because these people were easily defeated by Indians and by the elements because they were going it alone in the middle of their property. They learned that they needed to move their home to the edge of their property, to the corner, and somebody here would move to the corner so that they would have the corners together and you'd have people that moved together in order to make it. They needed each other. They needed allies, so they moved their cabins. Maybe you need to move your cabin closer to some other people. The arch is one of the strongest architectural things there is. You see arches under bridges, and you see them because they're so strong. Many of you have doorways that have arches in them. Well, all an arch is is two weaknesses. You've got a bent one and a bent one, and they come together, and then they become strong. And we need to be that way with each other. We need each other. David and Jonathan, two of the best friends in the Old Testament, did well. But unlike a lot of men today, Jonathan and David spoke to each other about their commitment to God. 1 Samuel 20, 42 says, We have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord. Real friends will talk to you about your relationship with the Lord. You want friends who bring you up. You don't want friends who take you away. You don't want friends to take you away from church. You don't want friends to take you away from God. You don't want friends. Real friends don't lead you down the path to addictions. You need an ally, not an adversary. Helen Rice put it this way. Friendship is a priceless gift that cannot be bought or sold But its value is far greater than a mountain made of gold. For gold is cold and lifeless. It can neither see nor hear. And in the time of trouble, it's powerless to cheer. It has no ears to listen, no heart to understand. It cannot bring you comfort or reach out a helping hand. So when you ask God for a gift, be thankful if he sends not diamonds or pearls or riches, but the love of real, true friends. An ally will sometimes say, I'm in this with you. Sometimes I'll say, You're headed down the wrong path. Here's the ABCs of a friend. A real friend A accepts you as you are, B believes in you, C calls you just to say hi, D doesn't give up on you, E envisions the whole of you, even the unfinished parts. F, forgives your mistakes. G, gives unconditionally. H, helps you. J, just wants to be with you. K, keeps you close at heart. L, loves you for who you are. M, makes a difference in your life. N, never judges. O, offers hope. P, picks, up, picks you up. Q, quiets your fears. R, raises your spirits. S says nice things about you. T tells you the truth when you need to hear it. U understands you. V values you. W walks beside you. X explains things you don't understand. Y yells at you when you won't listen. And Z zaps you back into reality. Strangers are just friends waiting to happen. Are you a friend to someone else? My closest friend in all the world is sitting in this room. Next Sunday, we will have been married 40 years. She is my best friend, my closest friend. Real friends, you can count on one hand usually that really know you. And, and it's impossible to have a lot of close friends because there's not enough time for it. It's just impossible. But, but you have somebody in your life that's a close friend. But I'm not going to stop today without telling you about the best friend you'll ever have. Because what a friend we have in Jesus. John 15, 13 says, and this is, these are the words of Jesus. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master's doing. But I've called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. How is Jesus our friend? Now, I know he's the Savior. I know he's the Son of God. I know he is God. He's the only way to heaven. But how is he our friend? Well, first of all, he knows you better than anyone else knows you. That's pretty incredible if you think about it because Jesus knows everything about you and he still loves you. He still says, I want to be your friend. He knows every mistake you've ever made. He knows, he knows stuff that no one else knows. He knows every mistake you've made and will make. He says, I still want to be your friend. He said in Matthew 19, that they called him the friend of publicans and sinners. And even those 12 guys we call the holy apostles, they weren't very holy. They were a bunch of smelly, ignorant fishermen, yet he was their friend. I'm so thankful that Jesus is the friend of sinners. Otherwise, we wouldn't have him. He knows you better. My best friend sitting over here, Laura, is my wife. She knows stuff about me you don't know, and I am so grateful she doesn't tell you (laughs) everything about me. The Lord knows you better than anybody else, but he also has done more for you than anyone else. John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. The American Indians didn't have a word for friend. There was no word in their language for friend like we use friend. And so they used this phrase, he who carries my sorrows on his back. You know, a friend laughs when you laugh. A friend cries when you cry. Isaiah 53, 4 states, that's exactly what Jesus did. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Jesus took the worst of you and me. He took our sorrow and our sin and our shame, and he paid the price for us on the cross, gave his life, and rose again and has covered our sin He is the friend of sinners. He's done more than anyone else. He's the only one that can take you to heaven. He's the only one that can forgive you of your sin. He's the only one that can change your heart and life. Going to church doesn't change your life. Knowing Jesus changes your life. He's done more for you than anyone else has. What a friend we have in Jesus. He's always there when you need him. Don't you like it when he says, I will never leave you? I will never forsake you. Some of you in my generation remember a singer by the name of James Taylor. That song, You've Got a Friend, part of the lyrics though that says this, when you're down in trouble and you need a helping hand and nothing is going right, Close your eyes and think of me, and soon I will be there to brighten up all your days. You just call out my name, and you know wherever I am, soon I'll be there knocking on your door. Well, I've got some news for you. There's a friend today knocking on your door. It's not James Taylor. It's Jesus. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any person will hear my voice and open the door... I will come in. That urgency and tug at your heart is the Holy Spirit saying, Jesus loves you so much. He not only wants to forgive you and save you, but he wants to be your friend. He wants to walk beside you, to walk behind you, to walk in front of you. He's done more for you than you'll ever realize. He's done more for you than anyone else has ever done. Why wouldn't you want to give your life to Jesus? He's saying, let me come into your life. Let me be your Savior. Let me be your very best friend. Jesus, the friend of sinners, that's the only reason you and I have an opportunity to be saved. is because he loves sinners. He loves you. If you're perfect, which none of you are, neither am I. You, you, I guess he still would want to be the friend of the perfect, but he's never met one yet. Wouldn't you like to give your life to Christ? If you don't have a, a church home, let me tell you, there's some great people here. They're all flawed. I know them. So's the pastor. We're all sinners. We're, we just, we've just got bumps and warts, and we're still works in progress. He's still changing us. He's still working on us. He's still trying to temper us and grow us. We're all flawed. So if you are flawed and imperfect, you're going to fit right in right here. But you need to know Jesus as your Savior. A church is a a group of baptized believers. They've given their life to Jesus. And as a result of that, they've been baptized to to proclaim to the world, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm not ashamed. So maybe today the Lord's leading you to be a part of Southcrest. Maybe he's telling you too that you need to forgive some friends of yours. Maybe you need to start being a friend to somebody. Would you bow your heads with me?
0: Thank you, Pastor David. We found a portrait of true friendship in Ecclesiastes 4. A real friend is a contributing associate, a giver, not a taker, one who stands behind you, beside you, and before you. He or she is a caring attendant to pick you up when you fall, a compassionate anchor, and a consistent ally who knows we're stronger together than apart. But the greatest example of a real friend is Jesus. The one who knows you better, has done more for you, and is always there for you. He is the friend who secured your forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Be sure to catch our next installment of the Southcrest Live podcast. If you don't have a church home, we'd love to have you join us at Southcrest Baptist Church. Services are 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings and 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. We're located at 3801 South Loop 289 in Lubbock, Texas. If you can't join us in person, be part of our online congregation at southcrestlive.tv to stream our Sunday services live at 9.30 or 11. For more information, visit our website at southcrest.org.